Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. Good morning, Saving Grace Church. Let me start by apologizing for my voice this morning. I got a cold this week, and as of yesterday... I think I lost my voice, so I'm going to do my best this morning. Sound guys, you can help me out, make sure it, if, if my voice cracks, it's not that I'm going through puberty, <laughs> a little old for that, but if you could open up your Bibles to Psalm 108 this morning, that would be great. I hadn't planned on doing this, I don't have anything in my notes about it, but Joe, Joe mentioned that I'm a, a prison chaplain now, and I, I, let me give a brief explanation of, of what I'm doing now and why. I... I was a pastor for 16 years, I think it was, and never in my wildest dreams thought I'd be a jail chaplain. I had never been in a jail, had never volunteered to do jail ministry, had no desire to do jail ministry, honestly. Um, The very first time I ever walked into a jail was Indiana County Jail, and it was to visit my oldest son. He had gone on a downward spiral um, of of painkiller addiction that led him to prison and to to jail. And so the first time I had walked into a jail was to see my very own son and to see him in the orange jumpsuit with the handcuffs on his hand and the shackles around his feet being led into a room so that I could talk to him broke my heart. And that sent my wife and I and our family um, just on a a many-year journey that that really, I I don't know how else to say it, but it, it crushed me. It just... It led me into a time of depression, a time of discouragement, a time of questioning God. Eventually, I, I kind of walked away from pastoral ministry thinking that I'm done in ministry. I'm going to go do something else. I was really in a, in a difficult time. And through a series of events, I had a friend who was the chaplain at the jail. He invited me to come down and volunteer with him. I walked in there my very first time. Didn't know what I was going to say, didn't have a plan, and I just start, I looked at the guys as they walked in the room, and as soon as they walked into the room, I just kept thinking, that guy's somebody's son, that guy's somebody's brother, that guy's somebody's dad, and, and, and I just, I could see my son there, and I just had these overwhelming thoughts, like all these people here, they're made in the image of God, they're loved deeply by God, and yeah, their, their lives have gone off the rails, they've gone off track, but they need to know the love of Jesus. And so I shared with them my story. I said, I don't expect you to open up to me if I can't open up to you, so let me share you why, with you why I'm here. And so I shared my story about that I didn't want to be in jail ministry, and now I ended up being a volunteer, my son's addiction, my depression, the whole thing. And a guy right across the table looked at me, inmate, in the same orange jumpsuit that I'd seen my son wear many times. He looked at me and he said, Mike, have you ever thought that maybe God allowed you to go through what you've been through so that you could be here ministering to us today. And I knew that concept theologically. I taught it from the pulpit. You know, Romans 8.28, God works all things for good for those who love him and called according to his purpose. But I wasn't believing it at the time. And when he, that inmate, spoke that, it just was like an arrow into my heart. And I started to believe again that, you know what, maybe God wants to use me here. So I started volunteering lots down there and was finding my soul refreshed. It's weird because the greatest place of pain in my life, God was calling me right into it to start um, 
start ministering in the place that reminded me of my greatest pain in life, which is kind of strange of God, but sometimes he does that. And I have been refreshed and healed and helped. I tell the guys so often, tell them a few things. Number one is I love you like a son and like a brother. I I tell them, I hope you're getting something out of this because I know you're part of my healing process, my helping process, and I'm getting better. And we're seeing some great stuff happen. I became the the, the chaplain there. Um, God is saving men and women. God is restoring men and women. God's setting people free from addiction. And it is really good ministry. And so I'm not sure why I'm telling you all that. I just felt led to tell you that this morning. I hope maybe that encourages somebody this morning. You know, maybe you're walking through. <laughs> Thanks. <clears throat> there, there, there is hope on the other side of our discouragement and our depression. It's not all done. I'm not a finished product. There's a lot of work God still has to do in me, but, but there's a, a new hope and a new joy in my heart. So let's, uh, let's read from Psalm 108. I want to talk this morning about the faithfulness of God. It's a subject near and dear to my heart through the season that we've walked through. But I, I want to read to you the first four verses of Psalm 108, if we could read together. David writes this, in the midst of a, of a difficult time for David, which was kind of typical for David, in a time when he didn't know the outcome, he writes this, My heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing and make melody with all my being. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praise to you among the nations. And you're wondering why, David, in the midst of a hard, difficult, trying time when you don't know how it's all going to turn out, David, how can you worship God? How can you say, awake the dawn? We're going we're gonna to get up and we're going to worship. We're going to thank God. Why? And he gives two reasons. For your steadfast love is great above the heavens. God's love is great above the heavens. And number two, and this is where we're going to focus this morning, your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Let's pray. God, we need your help this morning. We all need your help this morning. I need your help this morning. I pray that you would speak through me and that you would speak to me and to all the people gathered here today of your faithfulness in Jesus' name. Amen. So the question I want us to consider this morning, the question that's on my mind for this morning is this, can you count on God? Can I, can you count on on God. Can we rely on God no matter what? No matter where? Can you bank everything? Can you bank your life on God? In other words, is God faithful? David says in the midst of this dangerous, uncertain time that I referred to, that I'm going to praise God. I'm going to give thanks to him, even though I don't know the outcome, because God can be relied upon. God's faithfulness reaches to the clouds. So what, is, what does faithful mean? Faithful is being true to one's word, being true to your promises, being true to the vows that you have made. It means being steady in allegiance or affection. There's a stability to you. There's dependability. There's loyalty. To be faithful is to be constant. If God's faithful, I can trust him. If God's faithful, you can trust him. If God is not faithful, 
We can't trust God. There's really no reason to be here this morning. There's no reason to get up and have your devotions or to go to fellowship groups. If God's not faithful, there's no real reason to follow God. But here's here's what I want to propose this morning, and it's kind of the main idea of the message in two sentences. Because God never changes, he's always faithful. And because he's faithful, you can trust him. So I'm going to break the message up into into those two points. We're going to talk about the fact that God doesn't change. And because he doesn't change, he's faithful. And then the second half, we're going to get into kind of practical ways that you and I can trust God because of his faithfulness. So let's start with God is unchanging, point number one. The fancy theological word is immutability. To be mutable is a liability to tendency or change. If God is immutable, that means God is not liable. God does not change. One theologian described it this way. God's immutability can be defined like this. God is unchanging in his being, his perfections, his purposes and promises. Yet God does act and feel emotions. And he acts and feels differently in response to different situations. Let me, let me just bring to you this morning, and there's more than these three, but let me bring to you three ways that God is unchanging. Three ways that you know God is the same. Number one, in his person. That, that's who he is. Just the, the person of God is unchanging. All that God is, he's always been. And all that God is today will always be. Have you ever thought about that? That that the God who spoke in Genesis 1, let there be light. And the God that said, let us make man in our own image, is the same exact God that spoke to Abraham later, and that called Moses and called the people out of slavery, and the same God who spoke to the prophets in the Old Testament, and the same God that sent the angel to speak to Mary and Joseph about the coming of the Savior, Jesus, and it's the same God that interrupted Paul's life and took a persecutor of the church and called him to to salvation and then called him to minister the gospel. It's the same God that built the early church. It's the same God that you and I worshiped this morning and are continuing to worship this morning. It's the same. He is the same God forever and ever and ever. Psalm 102 says it this way, Of old, God, you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But, and here's the key verse, but you are the same, and your years have no end. See, us as created beings, we have, we we are changeable creatures, right? If you think about when you're born, you're a helpless little baby in the arms of your mother or your father, and you can't hardly do anything. But in two short years, by the time you're two years old, you're toddling around, and you're speaking words, and you're starting to put sentences together. But by the time you're five, You're doing things that a two-year-old never dreamed of being able to do. You're starting to read, possibly. You're riding a bike, possibly. And then by the time you reach 13, you enter those teenage years, lots of things begin to change. And then you get to age 21, and you're, you're growing, and you're maturing, and you're getting stronger mentally, physically, emotionally. And that continues to a certain point of your life. 
And then you start to deteriorate a little bit. I don't mean, I don't mean in all ways, but here, here's an example. I'm 54 years old. I was at the doctor just this week, and, and we were talking about some issues I've been having. He said, well, do your feet hurt? I was like, yeah, my feet hurt, and my knees hurt, and my hips hurt, and my back hurts, and pretty much everything about me hurts. So I don't know how that, knowing that my feet hurt is going to help me with the symptoms here. There's this arc of human life. We grow, we mature, we develop, and we deteriorate, which eventually ends in the final change, which is death. Not so with God. God never grows. God never matures. God never deteriorates. God never forgets anything. God doesn't go uphill or downhill. He is the same. Everything we know changes. Everyone we know changes. The stress that enter a human being's life can change our character. They can change who we are, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse, for the worse. but nothing can change the character of God. Our tastes change, our outlook changes, our temper changes, our opinions change, our decisions change, but God never ever changes. You know the verse, I'm sure, Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. Because the person of God never changes, he's faithful. Second way, God never changes in his purposes, which just means this. Once God has determined that he will bring something about, he will bring it about. Not so with me. When I was 30 years old, for some reason I thought it'd be cool to learn to play the guitar. But I thought I was too busy at the time. We had a bunch of little kids running around. And I said to my wife, you know, when I'm 50, I'm going to learn to play the guitar. So I pulled out my Palm Pilot, if any of you remember those things, way before the iPhone. And I don't know why I thought my Palm Pilot would still be around in 20 years, but I went to the calendar section. I went all the way to September 29th, whatever year that would be. That would be 50 years for me. I put it in my birthday, September 29th of that year, learned to play the guitar. And I, I used to talk about it a lot. My family remembers this. When I'm 50, I'm going to learn to play the guitar. When I'm 50, I'm going to learn to play the guitar. Well, I don't know why I thought when I was 50, things were going to be easier and quieter and more settled that I'd have time to sit around and learn to play the guitar. But it didn't happen. I'm 54 and I've not bought a guitar. I've not picked up a guitar. I don't know one chord. So I can speak something with certainty and it not come to pass. But when God has determined that something will happen, ooh, that was a squeak, it will happen. Isaiah 46, 9 to 11. Remember, the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God, there's no one like me. Declaring, and here's the part, declaring the end from the beginning. God from the beginning can look out to the end and say, this is how it's going to turn out and it will. And from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all of my purpose. And then later down in verse 11, I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. A.W. Pink says this, human nature cannot be relied upon. And, and by that, he, I don't think he means that we can't rely on humans in, in any way. I think he's saying human beings can't be relied upon 
ultimately, completely, fully, all of our weight, all of our reliance needs to be on God. And he says, so human nature cannot be relied upon fully, but God can be. However unstable I may be, however fickle my friends may prove, God changes not. If he varied as we do, if he willed one thing today and another tomorrow, if he were controlled by caprice, who, caprice, who could confide in him but all praise to his glorious name? He is ever the same. His purpose is fixed. His will is stable. His word is sure. So God's unchanging in his person, unchanging in his purposes, and, and, and finally in his promises. We live in a world where people break their promises all the time. All the time. I was telling somebody in the lobby, we got on a conversation, and I was saying, you know, when I grew up, I, I had things pretty easy. I came from a really wonderful family, um, came to know the Lord fairly young in life, and, and things were easy. So you combine that with the fact that I'm just a very optimistic personality, I kind of thought life was going to be smooth and easy, and everything's good, and everyone's good, and it's all just going to be good. I found out that it doesn't really work that way. We live in a world, a broken world, a sinful world, a fallen world, a beautiful, awesome world that God's created, but there's a lot of brokenness to it. And the words of human beings are unstable things. We change our mind. We say one thing and later we don't mean it. Our views change. We speak from the heat of a moment. We make bold promises that we can't keep. My mom used to say all the time, And she was right, because my mom is almost always right. Make your words soft and sweet, because someday you might have to eat them. (laughs) I've had to eat a lot of words over the time. All of us have words that we've spoken that we'd like to take back. I listened to a podcast recently um, from an author, probably not an author you're familiar with, but an author who wrote a best-selling book, sold millions of copies. I'm sure he made tons of money. He's gone on to write other books that have done very well. But when, the, when the, the interviewer was asking about that first book, he said, you know what's funny? I don't own one copy of that book anymore. There's not one in my house. I don't ever read it. I don't own a copy. And the interviewer said, why not? And he said, well, I don't believe all the things I wrote in that first book. Things have changed. And and I don't say that to to diss that guy at all because I know exactly what he's talking about. I've preached sermons that I would never want to preach again. I have said things that I don't believe anymore. I have led through things in churches that I wouldn't lead that same way today. Because we change. Sometimes for the better, sometimes for for the worse, but praise God that he's not like that. He's unchanging in all of his promises. Every word he has ever spoken is true and right. Every promise he has made will be fulfilled. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man, thank you God for that, that he should lie, or a son of man that he would change his mind. Has he said and will not do it? Or has he spoken and will not fulfill it? And you know the rhetorical question that's begging for the answer. If God says it, he will fulfill it. God's word stands forever. God never says like an NFL referee, 
after further review, there's a change. There's never going to be another Bible, Bible number two, where God gets right all the things he messed up in Bible number one. And God says, I don't even own a copy of that book in my house anymore because I've changed my mind about some things. It won't be that way. God never has to retract a statement. God never has to say, you know, I meant what I said, but things have gotten a little more complicated than I imagined. Isaiah 48 says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. That means you can take any of God's promises that he has ever made and bank on them. When Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You can count on that reality. You, you will never hear Jesus said, yeah, I really meant that at the time. I was kind of caught up in the heat of the moment. I didn't understand how complicated it was going to be to really set people free from all their sins and addictions and stuff. No, Jesus said it, and his promise is true. When, when, when Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they will follow me, I will give them eternal life. They will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. He doesn't later say, wow, I really didn't understand how powerful the devil was or how powerful our sin was that could snatch us out of his hand. No, nothing can snatch us out of the hands of Jesus because he promised and he's always true to his word. So you may be sitting there and saying, so what? God doesn't change. you ever stop to wonder, what if God could change? What if God did change? What if his person changed? Who, who he was? If, if like us, because of some circumstances that happened, just a little bit of bitterness started to seep into his heart, what would God be like if just a tiny little bitterness snuck into his heart? heart? What if his love or his patience just started to wane even a little bit? What if he grew tired or weary like we do? What about his promises? What if his promises changed? If he thought, you know, I talked about the salvation uh, by grace through faith, and now people are kind of taking advantage of the grace thing, so we're going to enact a new plan of salvation. God doesn't do that. His purposes don't change, nor do his promises. If God could change, it would be frightening. And we couldn't trust God at all. Change is the whole basis of our faith. So we've looked at the fact that God is unchanging. And because he's unchanging, he's faithful. Now let's, let's, ask the, let's talk about this reality that if, if God's faithful, you can trust him. Because I want that's been kind of theoretical. It's been kind of up here. What I want to do now is kind of get down into our lives and get, get practical about it. Um, if we have time, I'll give you four ways. If we don't, I'll give you two or three. God, because God is faithful, all four of these points are going to start that way. Because God is faithful, we can blank. We can something. So first one is because God is always faithful, we can approach him with confidence. Because God is always faithful, we can approach him with 
confidence. You know, when I need to approach somebody about something, I tend to kind of gauge what kind of mood they're in. You probably do the same. Kids, teenagers, you want to see how mom or dad's feeling before you ask them the, the question you want to ask them. Husbands, wives, before we bring up an important topic, we want to check out, you know, what kind of mood are they in right now? Never have to wonder if God's in a receptive mood. Hebrews four fifteen and 16 says this, We do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted the same way as we have been, yet without sin. Let us then, and here's the promise, with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I wonder sometimes why I'm so slow to run to God after I've messed up. Or after maybe I kind of ignore him for a few days or a few weeks or a month. Just get busy and don't really feel like doing devotions and aren't really that engaged in church. And you just kind of, so I find myself either just kind of drifting or outright sinning and, and feeling this distance from God. Why? Does it take me so long to turn and run back to him when we have this promise from him? Am I in need? Yes, I'm in need. I can with confidence draw near to his throne, which is not a throne of judgment. It's a throne of grace. And what am I going to find when I come there? I'm going to receive mercy and find grace to help in my time of need. So why would I ever stay distant from God? Why wouldn't I just run toward God, say, God, I need you. Can I approach your throne of grace right now and be assured because of what Jesus has done that I can do that fully? Lamentations 3, 19, 26. But this I call to mind. Many of you probably know this verse. And therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So because God's faithful, we can approach him boldly. Secondly, because God is faithful, our future is certain. And that's really good to know when our temporal future is so uncertain. When we live on this earth, we don't really know what's going to happen later today, what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen a month from now, what's going to happen next year. Let me give you two quick examples. Um, When I woke up in Doney Dorm, my freshman year of college, on August 30th, I believe, 1982, as a freshman in college, knowing almost no one there, about to be part of the orientation process, I had no idea what was going to happen to me that day that would change my life forever. I went to the library, stood in a two-hour registration line, and standing next to me was this beautiful 17-year-old woman named Carla. We talked for two hours in line, I left there thinking, she's really interesting. Saw her later that night. We met. We found out we had a lot in common. We sat down and we talked for a few other hours. And later she would become my wife. 
But I had no idea that morning when I woke up. I wasn't like, praise God for his faithfulness. I know my future is certain. I had no idea. Now, there have been other days too. There was a day in January of 2016 that I woke up that Monday morning. I was pastoring at the time. Monday was my day off. Had thoughts about the fun we'd have that day. Thoughts about the rest I might get that day. And in the afternoon, I got a phone call that rocked my world. And still rocking my world. Rocked my family's world. I had no idea when I woke up that morning what was awaiting me that day. Life in this world is very uncertain. Those are just two examples. You all have your own. The good and the trying times that have just come out of seeming nowhere. In the midst of life like that, it is really good to know that we have a future, an eternal future that is certain, that's rock solid. Peter describes it this way. Peter, who walked with Jesus for three years, he describes it this way in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. He has caused us to be born again, which is great news, but not just to be born again, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To, To what? To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That tells me two things. God is keeping this eternal future for us, and he describes it as imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven. So it's this pristine heaven being kept that way. It's not going to fade. It's not going to deteriorate. It's kept in heaven. It's waiting for us. And at the same time, God is guarding us until that time. My eternal future is so certain, and that has nothing to do with me. I didn't cause it to happen. I can't make it happen. I can't hold on strong enough so that my eternal future is certain. I I referenced the past couple of years I've walked through. Man, my grip was slipping on God. But his grip never slipped on me. He's guarding me for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That's true for anyone here today who's placed their faith in Christ. No matter how small your faith might seem right now, I believe that is absolute certainty that he's guarding you and he's keeping heaven for you and he's going to bring the two together at some point and it's going to be beautiful. Thirdly, how are we doing on time here? Let me just mention this one. I'm not even going to really talk about this. Because God is faithful, we can change. I have talked a lot about the downsides of us being changeable creatures, but the good side of us being changeable creatures is there's a lot of things about me that need to change, and God's in the business of changing us. And because he's faithful, as we look to him, we're being transformed into his likeness. And we start to bear the fruit of the Spirit, which I came to, to kind of realize real recently that all nine of those things called the fruit of the Spirit, they really are the same thing as attributes of God. 
So as I'm getting to know God better, I, God's love better, I, I, I love other people better. As I start to understand God's peace better, I experience God's peace. His patience results in my patience. His faithfulness results in my faithfulness. So as God brings us closer to him, we begin to change and we become more like him. Let me move to our last point. Because God is faithful, we can trust him in the darkness. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Sometimes I, I laugh at things that are written in Scripture like, I've never held on to my hope without any wavering. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And there's been times in my life where that was so easy. Yes, I'm enthusiastic for God. I'm excited about what he's doing. Look at all the great things he's doing. There's no wavering at all in my life. I'm holding on to that faith, that confession. And there's been times where that's not so easy to do. And I imagine you've found that true as well. Doesn't mean you don't trust God anymore, but it's, it's hard at times. There's some seasons of life which just make it difficult. And let me want to read you a more extended quote than I would normally read, but I think you'll find it really useful. It's from a, an author, a theologian named A.W. Pink. He says this, There are seasons in the lives of all men and women when it's not easy to believe that God is faithful. Have you found that true? Our faith is sorely tried. Our eyes be dimmed with tears. And we can no longer trace the outworkings of his love. Our ears are distracted with the noises of the world. We are harassed by the, I really like this phrase, harassed by the atheistic whisperings of Satan. That's in your, Satan's in your ear. There's no God. God's not faithful. Look at what's going on around you. Look at what's happening in your life. Atheistic whisperings of Satan. And we can no longer hear the sweet accents of God's still, small voice. Cherished plans have been thwarted. We are staggered. We sought to be faithful to God. And now a dark cloud hides him from us. We find it difficult, yea, impossible for carnal reason to harmonize his frowning providence with his gracious promises. So, my little brain has to break that down a little bit. You're looking at your life and you're saying, God's faithful. Wait a minute, those two don't harmonize. They don't match up. And then Pink points us to Isaiah 50, verse 10. Just one verse. It says this, Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. And then he continues with this quote. And I'm sorry it's long, but I want to read it to you. When you are tempted to doubt the faithfulness of God, cry out, get behind me, Satan. Though you cannot now harmonize God's mysterious dealings with the statements of his love, 
wait on him for more light. In his own good time, he will make it plain to you. The sequel will demonstrate that God has neither forsaken or deceived his child. That phrase, wait on him for more light, has been so helpful to me because there are times when it's dark and you can't see the faithfulness of God. You can't see the love of God. You can't experience the mercy of God. And rather than just quitting and giving up, Pink is encouraging us to just wait there because God's going to bring more light. Just patiently wait there as hard as that is because God is going to bring more light. And the sequel will yet demonstrate that God is neither forsaken nor deceived, you and I. And so even in the darkest times of life, we can sing the words of the hymn, Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There's no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand is provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Let's pray. And as I pray, if the worship team could come back up. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank thank you for your faithfulness when we can see it very clearly, and we thank you for your faithfulness when we can't see it. And Lord, I pray for any of us here today who are are in in a dark time. I pray that, that you would help us to wait on you for more light. God, would you be gracious to give us glimmers of light, to give us glimpses of light, to give us more light to trust you knowing that you will bring about your promises and your purposes in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.